Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. For my regular listeners, you'll hear a difference in sound quality in today's episode, particularly at my end. I wasn't using my usual equipment. That being said, you'll soon realise it has no bearing on the quality of this show's content. So welcome everybody. This is Robin Stratton Burkessel, the host of Positivity Strategist. And today my guest is Case Horkendick. And you spell K-C-E-E-S. And Case is speaking to me from his home in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And Case is an active member of our global appreciative inquiry community. So Case, welcome. Hello. And I'm so happy to have you on our broadcast today. Hello, Robin. Good evening and good afternoon to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, um, it is that time difference. So I want to say that um, you are my 46th episode. So I've been doing this now for 46 shows. And as I settle into this modality, I'm actually finding great joy in bringing our community together and being able to share all the amazing things that we're doing in this world of appreciative inquiry. And I'm getting more focused on the practitioners um, of appreciative inquiry. Now, some of the things that you've been doing, Case, for example, you launched your third book and your latest book, which is called Appreciative Inquiry of the, Thir of the 3.0 Kind at the World AI Conference in Johannesburg just recently this year. Mm -hmm. And I want to spend some time on your book um, and particularly your process and your experiences and things that came out of that experience for you. I think that will be very exciting to, to hear more about. And by the way, I love reading it. It's just great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Lots of things there that I really enjoy. But before we get there, I just wanted to say that having you know read a little bit about your background and seeing what you've produced, I view you as a an integrated professional. And what I mean by that is that you know you your first degrees are in mathematics and physics. And somewhere along the way, you transitioned into HR management, learning architecture, and organization change and development. So I think that's really interesting. And when I see something in your book about how many hours you invested in appreciative inquiry, I can understand why you have this mathematical <laughs> perspective. That was very impressive. <laughs> Um, but be, be, but more, just on the personal side, I want to also um, say that um, you are happily married to Karen. You have six children, yes. four cats, down from eight cats at one time. <laughs> <laughs> and you write a lot. So how you have time to do all of this, I'm just kind of in great awe and respect. Because, you know, you say that your mission in life, and I... I, I I can see evidence of this is to is about the humanization of the organization. 
So that's a very, very brief, quick overview. And Case, perhaps you would like to just start by by, um, just expanding on your mission, which is the humanization of organization. Could you say what that means to you? Just to start. Oh, yeah, uh, th- thank you for this beautiful introduction. Um, it's like in AI interviews in pairs when someone interviewed you and then reflects on your story or repeats your story or re-describes your story and then you hear it back and they say, okay, this is a nice, a nice description of myself. Thank you. Now that's so true. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. So, yes, humanization of organization, I think it was sort of um, a surprise. My, my wife is a teacher and she teaches humanization lessons on basic schools, young children. And once she took me to an open day on the University of Humanistics in, uh, in, in Utrecht, in, the, in Holland. And uh, I was just sort of in between thinking of becoming an independent person, I think I already was, but then becoming self-employed. And um, and in that university, I saw a, a poster hanging on the wall and it said, humanization of organization. And the first thing I thought was, this is a beautiful description of my mission. This is what I'm doing already for years and if I'm going to, to become a self-employed person, this will be my mission. Mm. And then I thought, and where can I subscribe to this workshop or something or masterclass? And then I, when I was starting to get the form for this, I saw it was a PhD program called Humanization of Organization. And, and that's how I started my first attempt to get into a, a PhD uh, process. And it was... It was great for three years. Um, I get totally immersed in psychology and philosophy and and all angles, which made me sort of throw away my regular management books. Um, so seeing this post on the wall was like like coming home. I said, "Okay, there are words for this. This is what I'm doing." Um, and and in 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 ordinary language, it's just. Can we facilitate people having a, a nice day at the, at the work um, and and getting together and, and and putting some results to the job? So that's I think what a humanized organization could be. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, so th- th- that sort of was my start of being becoming self-employed. Right. So thank you for building in there a little definition of what the humanization piece is in that so um case did that it was that kind of like the transition into the organization change and development or are you already doing that um uh, in your work before then i think i was already doing that when i had my first job in 1984 uh-huh. uh, i started at an it company but i wasn't very much into it i was very curious about how it worked in organizations so um, I was into instructions and manuals and implementation of IT. And then I became uh, a member of the Workers' Council. And I was not interested in, in uh, just representing workers, but I was interested in organization. 
And so the, 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 the personnel management, the human resource management job was just a step beyond that. Um, and so I was curious in the concept called organization. What's happening there? Why is it growing or why is it shrinking? What's, what is it? So I think I was already there when I was 25 and it, it, it grew. I, I joined the change company, went into large learning programs. So yes, when I started to become self-employed, I think I had a 20 years experience in, in organizational development, in setting up learning programs. And uh, okay, still improving on that, but uh, I felt ready. Yeah, very good. And so in your own development and growth and learning, what kinds of approaches, you know, have you been integrating? What have you been using? And Because, you know, I look at your bookshelf, pictures of your bookshelf, and I recognize many of the books there. <laughs> and in reading your latest book, I, I'm, you know, very, not very, but I'm, um, you know, when you're in this field of human and organization development, I think we do get attracted to, you know, some of the masters that you want to sit at their feet and learn from them. And it's all very much um, an emergent process, right? Yes, and things yes. become very generative and they're building on each other. So what are some of the influences for you, some of the key influences in your own growth in this field? Yes. Maybe this word emergence is, is also a key word. Um, I already wondered about when I was in the consulting area when I entered a, an organization and I asked myself in this the, the, the 1980s and the 1990s, why do the, these consultants, these consultants, sorry, um, mm -hmm. always this, this long pre-investigations, definition studies. And uh -huh. I, I, when I came in, in, in an organization, I had already an idea of what it was. And then I tried to find out if my first impression was the right one. And later on, uh, with talking with managers of organizations, I found out that I had, maybe it's the mathematical mind, a sort of a, a wholeness view on organizations of which I expected that leaders of organizations just shared my view on that. But then I found out they had a, sometimes a complete other picture of their, their own organization than I saw, and, and only when I, I think I had to become 40 or 45 to that to, to understand that I had a complete different look or a different view on organizations. And then when I came into this University of Humanistics, all kind of literature came on my path, like, like the Rhizome uh, book of Gilles Deleuze, a French philosopher. The Rhizome is, is, is sort of a, the way a plant grows underneath the ground and above the ground. And it's also the embodiment of emergence it's just going out and out and out and i saw that resemblance in organizations in flourishing organizations so mm. that was really a source um peter sanger uh, this this book called presence uh, human purpose i think it's on my bookshelf yeah um otto sharma singing yes and yeah. and like um okay organizations are the place the places where people really can grow because organizations are cross-border. They don't, they don't are restricted by, by governments or something like that. Um, and all kinds of views about getting into the, the theory, of course, and, and mm -hmm. into, into, the, into the wild. So, yes, I did print two methodology and, and 
but this, I, I can't call it a methodology, understanding, it's not a, getting a, a, appreciating emergence, complexity. Mm-hmm. So I think I've had 20 or 15 or 20 years that people ask me, so you're a mathematician. What do you do with it? Being a personnel manager or a learning consultant. Mm-hmm. And now I say, okay, being a mathematician, um, I think my, my, it has to do with my kind of thinking. So I'm not, I was not a mathematician and then my thinking developed. I think I had a sort of thinking and that's why mathematic mathematics appealed to me. Mm. Um, yeah. So a couple of things as you were speaking there. So when you talk about this metaphor of the rhizome, right? Yes. Which is, um, and I'm thinking of, I mean, in our garden here, we have these ferns that are just taking over. Yes. These beautiful ferns. And they were a small part of the garden. And then every year they're spreading and you can, at wintertime comes or, you know, the autumn comes like now and you cut them down, but underneath the roots are growing and spreading and they're connecting and these things keep popping up. Yes. So, you know, it's really, what is the foundation that the, the thing that is foundationally that really does connect people? I mean, if we're thinking about mm-hmm. organizations. So I think it's a really beautiful metaphor. Um, yeah. What is at the roots of the of this humanization? And maybe let's just talk about that. What what for you is that? You mean the humanization? Yeah. So uh, at, you know, at the roots, mm-hmm. what is at the foundation, the root of this desire to, you know, for to when we think about how we organize, um, what what is it that we are seeking? You know, what is it that keeps us kind of um, able to stay focused and together and to find a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, first of all, I'm not sure everyone is seeking this. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, I, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually not living in Amsterdam, but in The Hague. And I was born next to the sea. And not, not long ago, I... I I get the impression that I was sort of connected to my ancestors who were fishermen. And in me, I found out there's a longing for the sea. Go on a ship, have some fish somewhere, not knowing very sure whether you will get back in the harbor, leaving your wife behind and things like that. I think this is in my DNA. So for me, emergence and going into the unknown is quite, quite comfortable, as I say. And... So if you try to manage your, your grass, your, your, your lawn, uh, it's, it's unmanageable. And maybe an organization is somewhere, some, some, some the same. You can't manage it. And if you can let it grow, mm. and if you can maybe detect the understream and connect to it, then you can... And can, can, can unleash a force in the organization which is not to be seen on the surface but which is underneath and if you connect as a leader to that force and I think that's in, in the hearts of people I think then you, we are really into organizing I think mm-hmm. and we don't talk management anymore or leadership perhaps I don't know or just letting things happen and it's not my longing, 
but it's maybe the longing of all the people in the organization that's making the organization grow. Wonder, yes, and I'm wondering if this has, um, you know, thinking about Ken Gergen, we spoke last week, it's about the relational process. Yes, yes. And that takes place at many levels. You know, you need, it's, it's, it's human relational processes. It's also technical relational processes. Yes. And um, so, yes, very nice. So you you actually touched on something that I was curious about too, and that is, I was curious to know about what, you know, what is connecting people. So um, let me let me put it this way: if we're both using appreciative inquiry in our work, right? So it informs much of what we do, and we use a number of other perspectives and tools as well, right? So I imagine that's true for you too. Yes. So thinking about appreciative inquiry and, you know, your book um, really shows a lot of fan- all your lo- own lived experience and you share so much in that book. But when it comes down to it, what, what do you think connects, we're talking on the subject of connection, what connects people to the experience of appreciative inquiry? Mm-hmm. I think we have to go back a few years for that because out of this Non, I, I didn't uh, fulfill this PhD program yet, I say. Uh, but on the side, one of my first books came out. It has to do with vertical dialogue, with power, with, with, with power relations in organizations. And at the book launch of that book, um, my publisher found a nice room and a nice place to do that and this place was called seats to meet and i entered a a space and i now it's eight years ago and i'm I'm a friend of the family a space where connecting people meeting sharing knowledge is core business they facilitate the meeting and the connecting of people and so i entered that 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 space of of what they what became to be known as Society 3.0. And so there's another source, because the, the, the founder of that, Ronald van den Hof, we became very good friends. I was became the editor of his book, and he really inspired me uh, to become a citizen of Society 3.0. And, and what does that mean? That I'm into social enterprising. So building groups of people or they, they co-creating groups of people and, and they form like small businesses. But the only thing that is connecting them is, is sort of the mission, is the, is the added value, is, is a, an idea of getting the world better. But it's also be seen as a serious business proposal at the same time. So, is, it like a, is it like an incubator? It's very much like an incubator. It's an environment where you just can't not meet other people. <laughs> and, and, I, and I actually, I was the editor of the book and I asked him, so I want to, to put one page, I want to write one page in that book because I think if you look at the Seats to Meet place, a location where this, all these people are behind their iPads and, and, and working and, and sharing knowledge together, I think they need something more. They need a specific behavior which enables them to connect even more, to find out what they can do together, 
how far they can come as a group. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I suggested appreciative inquiry is mm -hmm. the suggest behavior for feeling utmost comfortable in society 3.0. And that's why Ronald also with his society 3.0 foundation said, okay, I'm going to sponsor this latest book of yours. And uh, we're, going, uh, the, we're going into the world together in this. So this seeks to me, it sounds like, um, so kind of like um, working spaces. There's a term here that's used in the United States called um, oh, like cooperative learning spaces. I think that's yes. the term. Yes. And so people come with their laptops and they sit and then they can kind of form into groups. Yes. And so you are offering a way. So And then people will come together around a specific area of interest or project or initiative. Yes. And so are you saying that you then overlay that with, you know, for some groups, you can offer the appreciative inquiry process to help them further their their areas of common interest. Yes, I think uh, I think it seems to me it's growing into sort of a small academy where you don't only meet people. Mm -hmm. The software around it enables to 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 find very fast relevant uh, people who didn't you didn't know before, and also it enables you, and we call it seats to learn, to learn. Oh, nice. Certain yeah. behavior. And it's all for free. Social capital. We pay in social capital to be there. That's also f a funny aspect of this. And, and, and this is an environment that's really helped me to become a, a, a self-employed person, like an individual, and working together with, with anyone. Mm -hmm. With anyone. Yeah, very nice. Um, so in your book, there's one little, there's a lot of little um, scenarios that come from your own experience. But I really like the one where you were talking about you did the AI process on yourself and for others. Um, and it was about the, I think it was about the, I don't have it in front of me now, but the students learning or some learning group. You were down to four, you were those. Oh, yes. And, oh, yes. No, yes. You were down to four people and you needed 12 people. Yes. So I'm just really, I love that example. And I'd just love you to share that. Oh, yes. Yes, it has to do, of course, then with my, my first encounter with AI. And then at that moment, I thought, uh, it was Annette, a person called Annette, who said, you are quite AI. And I, then I thought, she's talking uh, uh, artificial intelligence to me. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. she talked about appreciative inquiry. So I was an, uh, a not knowing person at, before. And so I came into AI and uh, with a few people, we get very, got very enthusiastic and thought, how can we support this mission of AI called to spread AI in the world? And uh, it took some time, but then we found out we, we, want, we need to start a learning program, and, and a profound learning program, something deep, something more than two days. Mm -hmm. So this is what we founded, an action learning program, one and a half year, and it was really going well, the first cohort and the second cohort. And then we didn't get any participants for the third cohort. Mm -hmm. Or at least there were, at some point, there were four. And then we said, okay, are we going to wait for the other eight persons or ten to fill the group? No, we have to appreciate the four that already subscribed to our program. And we invited them 
to already connect and to already get acquainted with with the AI and and it's like a preparation on the on the official course. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, okay, what should we do together? So we did a, a, a sort of a mini AI summit with those four people and and Marcel van Marwijk and I together. So we were six, and we just and we had an affirmative topic like in an official AI summit uh, called like um, what do we need to start the next AI program, learning program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we're all feeling happy with that. And so this was not only about we need 10 persons, but this mini summit was really amazing because we found out that when we, Marcel and I, we, we started in, in, before with four persons and we were, and we at that moment we were two and we said, okay, we have to find some two and, and then we get four again. So our social enterprise grew. The, the four participants came back and said, okay, I've got friends and people. And so they came back with four persons and all kinds of ideas came out. So within a few weeks, we had enough people to start up our next cohort. It was really amazing. So it proved that the AI approach can really bring you into new ideas and, and actions that really bring success for ourselves in this in this case. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that was great to kind of turn it in on yourself. Yes. And um, it gave me um, some good inspirations to do that. So thanks for sharing that. Yes. So now let's talk about the book. So what's been a high point? I'm going to ask you a, a classic appreciative inquiry question, discovery question here. So, Case, what's been a high point experience for you in the conceiving, the writing, the launching, the sharing of your book? Ooh. Um. Any part of that? Yes, I think, and and it was already exciting. The idea of um, the idea of not writing a book about appreciative inquiry, because there, I thought there were a lot of books about appreciative inquiry, but it's about like if you're being asked to talk about appreciative inquiry, and then I said, can we just invite the audience to experience AI? So my idea was, can I write a book? Like when you're reading it, then you experience or even you feel invited to try out. So that's why it's called appreciative inquiries. Every small chapter is an, is an inquiry itself. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea. I think another hyping point was that I was dreaming about, okay, I knew I was going to the World AI Conference in Johannesburg uh, last July. And at some point, I, I, you, you never know how ideas came come up, but I... What it would it be a good idea just to give this book as a present to every participant in Johannesburg, just as an idea? And I, I called Ronald, and he said, "Okay, that's no problem. We we print some more." And so, 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 okay, you do that. And then I found out how how to come into contact with with the organizing committee of the conference, whether they find it a good idea or not. And then I, I called my friend Joop de Jong, very uh, an elderly uh, AI, uh, one of the co-founders. And uh, and he said, lovely okay, man. yes, he's a lovely man. And uh, and he said, so yes, we have, you have to connect to Anastasia Bukasje. She's mm-hmm. the conference organizer. Actually, lovely a lovely woman. And actually, she is in Holland in a few weeks. Oh, how exciting! And I was only uh, I had uh, the sort of the content, and I had written a few uh, chapters. Uh, but so and and I said, okay, so he was 
arranging a meeting and I, 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 I hasted, I, I, I was running to a, sh a shop where they could print, it was really great, a sort of one example of a, a real book. There's a bookshop, you can print one book. Uh, so we, we made a sort of a dummy with few stories in it. So I, I wanted to have a real copy of the book. And and, mm -hmm. and, and I had this meeting with, with Anastasia and a sort of a very modest approach. I said, okay, would it be an idea if, if, you, if, if you feel like it, that all your participants get this book as a present? Mm -hmm. And I know... It's that I know it's also has a sort of uh, yes, I, I will ex uh, I will expose myself there. And but then she said, Oh, what a lovely idea, a book for free. And and it's also right to copy. And she said, Of course. And uh, we hugged. And uh, and then so the, the exciting part was that then I had, of course, the deadline. It should be ready by <laughs> July. And print it as well, and it should be there. And of course, we don't call it the deadline. We call it the birth line, of course, in AI. So it was very exciting. Wow. Yes. And so, so that was the that was the idea, and you had a distribution model. So tell me about the writing <laughs> itself, the process for you. The process, I think, it took it took a year. Um, it is. I think appreciative inquiries, it, it's like this philosophical investigations of Wittgenstein. I was inspired by this book. He's also a language person, philosophical investigations. And it's, of course, it's also Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the Steven Spielberg movie, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind is even that you encounter uh, uh, outer space persons from a very uh, small distance. So you actually have a conversation with them. So these all, all metaphors are in there. And then I started to just to, to follow the line of our AI training program. So what are we teaching there? And what is, what is good and what is successful? So this gave me a sort of a structure for the book. Mm -hmm. And then it was just, I think there are at least 50 or 60 persons, I think, that I used them, whether they knew it or not, because it's all about... Re being related so things that happened all always happened together with somebody else mm -hmm. and then i started just to write and and then i had to stop my mother died in that period so it stopped and my father-in-law died and and so that was also mixed emotions emotional periods mm -hmm. um so it took really some time. I didn't reach my, my deadline, my second deadline, my third deadline, but I knew it would be ready by July 20, 2015. Mm -hmm. And as I now look at it, I think this being in Johannesburg was already very enlightening. I, I can't just think of another word. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole process in a year, I think, I don't know, actually, I think I have changed mm. again it has become part of my system and i can recommend everybody if you want to find out about ai start writing a book about it mm. yeah so uh, yeah so you're saying that you you changed uh, in this in this process so yes. what is it about what do you truly value about yourself in in that experience 
you know, I'm there's a part of part of me that's that's a systems thinker, that's a mathematician. I I, I sometimes say, okay, the first forty years of my life, I I developed my my left brain half the logical way, and then after being forty, and I'm now fifty five, so I'm fifty years. 15 years working on my right brain half, the sensitive part. So I will be in balance when I'm 80, if I count it right. And but, but I think this 15 years, I, I, I did well. Um, when I, three years ago, when I was in Ghent in the World AI Conferences, I was really immersed in all those, uh, really in, in practicing AI in my daily life, just really practicing. I wanted to do this very well, and I knew I was aware of it. And, and, and of course, being part of this own training course, this, this, this helps. But Johannesburg, I think it really, um, it really came down in my body. It, um, yes, it came in my system. And so, and this is not about the cognitive way, or this is not about exercising or practicing anymore. And I just can't say that I am a being AI person. I have to do a lot of practice and, and self-awareness and, and, and exercises to start up the day. But it's, it's really entered my system, uh, dear Robin. <laughs> and this is not going away anymore. Mm. And it's, it's yeah. beautiful. So this is about... It's about intuition. It's about really feeling things, um, following, following, just a hunch and say, okay, this is this is the person I should connect to, and just go for it. This is what's happening to me. Yeah. So, so what is it? Um, what is it? Yeah. What I'm is thinking it? for myself too. Yes, I, I, this lovely quote of this violinist, violin man called Isaac Stern. He said, "At some point, you have the experience in playing the violins. You you are so good at it that practicing is not boring anymore." That's beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like, okay, now it's so nice to to practice and to exercise the the, the micro practices like ken gergen says the micro practices in language mm -hmm. and try it every time and being very aware of it that moment the, the nanosecond before a word leaves your mouth and sort of an awareness is this word can this maybe hurt the other person or could it could it disturb the conversation? So would there be another word that could be more generative into that conversation? So these are, are I think, very fast thinking processes or or feeling processes. But that's what's happening. So the moment, being in the moment, from from thinking AI to being AI, this is this is really a process built on nuances, micro practices. Uh, and when I'm talking about this, then I, I still am not sure whether I'm using these right words because it's this is almost impossible to really talk about this because it's it's working inside, it's not outside, it's not cognitive anymore. Yeah, and we don't have the language to describe that, but we we see the evidence, and I think what you're saying is makes me think, oh my, how much more I 
need to practice that before the words even come out of your mouth, you are already beginning to um, be aware of the impact of what you say. Yes. Um, and I and I always think that when you know when something becomes effortless. Yes. That you don't have to, you know, you, you, it's all it's beyond uh, being conscious about it. Yes, um, yes. I, I have a I have an email on my on my whiteboard because one of my friends is is Jan Flameling. He's he's a philosopher, a social constructionist. He, mm -hmm. I think, he must have been in the in the in the back pocket of of Michel Foucault because he know where Michel Foucault was at any time of his life. Uh, such such a person. He, uh, I think, he must have known Gilles Deleuze because he was he li he lived as a neighbor of his house. And I had lunch, and I, and I think I'm I, I'm too maybe too shy to. It was what he said. I, I because he is in the book, and I learned so much from him about social constructionism that of course I gave this book. I say, oh Jan, you are in this book at at, at several points, and then we had a lunch. It's only one week ago. And he said, and he said, wow, case, this book is so congruent. This is so much doing what it says. It's inviting me to do AI. And then he became very, um, I, I, I think I blushed here. He talked about the Chinese word Ziran, the Taoism. And just like you said, that the, the, the moment between the, the period of time between preparing for something and doing it is getting narrower and narrower. And at some point you are in the moment. Mm -hmm. The Wu Wei, I think the Tao Te Ching is, uh, is full about that. So I think he was, he was sort of saying, and I, I consider him a master. Mm -hmm. And I was, mm -hmm. he was suggesting something uh, like that to me. And uh, I'm still uh, puzzling, uh, uh, puzzled with that. <laughs> Well, that's so, a beautiful, beautiful thing to be told that's yeah. so congruent. Um, yes. That's very beautiful. Um, I totally agree. And yes, I mean, as I, I haven't read every part of your book yet because I only started at the weekend um, and there are other things I was doing too. <laughs> but I really um, very much was feeling very immersed in it, very, very in it. So, um it was it was a wonderful experience, and I love the questions that you pose at the end of each of the chapters. Yes, very lovely questions. Yes. I, I like the word. I, I think I, I learned that at the University of Humanistic, the, the word performative. Uh -huh. uh, performative. It's, I, I think it has to do with this, uh, uh, Mr. Austin. How to do things with words, mm -hmm. like. I think I never smoked, but I think I heard someone that, that there was a book by Alan Carr. And if you read it, then you, at the end of it, you stopped smoking. And it still was in the back of my mind. Could you, could there exist a book? And at the end, when you have read it, you are doing it. Mm. What's in there. Mm. So that yeah. was also in the back of my mind. And this yeah. is, can Very it lovely. be possible? So I asked you about what you you know, appreciate what you value about yourself and um, thinking in terms of having produced this this book that's now so congruent with who you are and what you're doing. What were some of the comments that you got when you distributed it at the conference? Uh, that was so nice. First, it was a surprise. that uh, there, there was some uh, um, 
a little disturbance because the administration people had put I, I, in every Congress bag at least five books. So at some point, Anastasia had to tell the audience, listen, people, you have five books in your bag, but only one of them is for free. And the other, you, if you like them, you have to buy them. <laughs> so that was the first uh, introduction to me. <laughs> and this is Case. Please, Case, stand up. And uh, this is Case. And he gave you this book. So... Then there was this surprising uh, reflection on, um, okay, what do you mean? Right to copy? So right to copy. There's always, always a copyright in the book. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay, I was um, addressed very gentle. So you're that guy. Thank you very much for the book. But then it was quite an early dark night in Johannesburg. So I guess that people went to bed not so late in the evening. So during the week, I noticed that people were starting got started to read the book, mm-hmm. and then they came really from okay. So I read it, and they, this is great. So I had lovely conversations where people actually read some chapters and mm-hmm. asked for signatures, of course, and so. And I think there were two hundred and fifty people in the conference. I think I have met two hundred people mm-hmm. <laughs> in person. It was really great. That's wonderful. Yes. And some yeah. of them I still am meeting and, and some of them I've even started social enterprises with. So, uh, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Um, yes, I think you mentioned a couple, um, yeah. like Miriam, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's so, so fantastic. Um, yeah. So I just think that was such a, what a, a wonderful experience. What a oh, yes. wonderful gift and what you got out of it, right? So oh, yes. not only what people were getting out of your gift, but what you got out of the process of doing that. So I, I just want anything else you want to say about that, that experience for you? Okay. I went to that conference to really focus on the being AI. So I said, okay, our, our let, just to let you know, our training program has th- three angles like facilitating AI processes. That is often what we know about uh, a procedure required, the 4Ds, the summit. But there's also that level of high-quality com- converse, high-quality conversation. Um, so we practice this a lot, the, the art of asking questions and generative language. And then underneath, there's, of course, the question, am I appreciative Sort of, is this my ground state or how, how does it work? It's, it can't be a learning objective, but it's at least a question. Mm-hmm. So I found myself ready to focus this conference and find out and check for the workshops that went into being AI. So I did meditation programmers or lying on the field. And uh, I looked into the eyes of other persons for at least one minute and, and find out what happened. And that happened a lot. So this was my personal training program. And uh, yeah, I was open. I was ready for that. And at the same time, I, we had, I had intense conversations with people. I learned a lot. And um, yeah, and then again, so I'm losing the language for what, what, what really has happened. Sometimes they say of young children that when there's this, uh, the school holiday, they grow during the school holiday. <laughs> and I really have the impression that I grew during this school holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes, you know, to come out of a very routine, regular 
environment or context, you yes. a shift happens. Yes. And that's a very interesting thing to be aware of anyway. And I think that's why vacations are very important. Yes, yes. <laughs> Opportunity to have retreats somewhere else and somewhere different with different people. It, it does, it does yes. there's a shift that goes on. Yes. And of course, um, I, I know what was what I was doing. This is my first book in English. So I had sort of an idea about, I want to present this to an international audience to get reflection. Yeah. And I go into Johannesburg. So this can happen. And now, yes, I, in two weeks, I will be in Mexico to co-facilitate an AI summit. Oh, awesome. That's so great. Yeah. Yes, well, again, I, I, I kind of triply congratulate you with, you know, writing a book in not your first language. That's just wonderful. So as a Dutchman, yes. what does positivity mean to you? Mm. I think there are some ideas rising. The first of all is that you can't explain to a fish what water is like. So I think I'm a I'm a constructive guy already for the for, 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 I, I was born like that or uh, I I didn't call that very positive. I think I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. And, and positive, of course, came into my life according along with this appreciative inquiry. But then I found out this is not about positive. This is about generative. Mm-hmm. So positivity, I'm sometimes I'm uh, I'm I'm relative. I'm, I'm I'm not going. When I want to talk about people, they they say, okay, this is a positive. Then I say, okay, no, wait, wait. This is not about positivity so but then again you can need to go with philosophical questions positivity is i think what we need in holland refugees over the in in the in the country and so i might go into generativity or strength based i think positivity is a good word mm-hmm. positive it's the easy word. I think it's the most accessible word to say, okay, let's go into the direction we want. Let's work together. So positive. And maybe if you compare that to the Dutch, Dutch are open people, direct. Are they positive? As a sort of, as an average, on average, because every people is different as an average. I think we could, in Holland, we could sort of, gain from somewhat more positivity maybe we looked at the world i think we have a background in sort of a a strong christian um, history so i hope and i and i hope i can contribute to dutch people getting somewhat more positive yes Mm. yeah maybe it's you know it's that um maybe it's a cultural reference to positive being it's just about positive thinking and having a smiley face mm-hmm. whereas i think when we understand it through the appreciative perspective it's much more of an ecosystem and it covers you know the generativity for sure it's developmental developmental it's about possibilities it's um yes it's also you know you were talking about the embodiment of being appreciative you know it's that it gets to the core of you 
and we think about the positive emotions that that are very deep, you know, like gratitude and humility. Yes. And um, love. I mean, the deepest one: connection, generosity, kindness. Those kinds of attributes which are deemed to be positive emotions. Yes. And compassion. Yes. Um, you know, very quiet, positive emotions. Um, and it's not the rah-rah, you know, loud stuff that we're talking about at all. Yes, fully, and, f- fully agree with that. Yeah, and thinking, you know, of Barbara Fredrickson's work here in this area of positivity, which um, I find, you know, that's why I call this positivity strategist, because looking for ways that people can bring these more resourceful um, human characteristics into our relationships and into our workplaces yes mm-hmm. and, and truly understanding that so yeah so i just wondered if you know i kind of expected there to be some kind of cultural I, yeah. difference i guess there is so i'm and so because mm-hmm. you asked me and thank you for that because you, you made me think about what is this word about i think when we in in ordinary circumstances in, 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 and and we can't generalize about dutch people but on average, I think positive in, in Dutch is like you said, this is about maybe the, the wah-wah, the, mm-hmm. the smile, um, the, the, the acting positive, because it's a quite an, 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 yeah, it's, it's a simple word. It, it's, it doesn't have the deepness we like to give it. Mm-hmm. So maybe we, in Holland we need other words because when we talk just about positivity, then we might not get into the essence of what we right. experience here. Yes, yes, yes. So sometimes you can just be yes. a word, you know, sometimes a word is not enough. <laughs> All the word has the wrong connotation. Oh, yes. By virtue, oh, yes. You know. And it makes me think because I'm part of the advisory board of the first global POM conference on positive change coming uh-huh. year. Uh, with Ralph Weichel, Diana Whitney, and, and 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 it will be in Amsterdam. And then I say, okay, I must ask those people, and, and I'll see them in a few weeks again. Yes, of course, Ralph Weichel is representing representing the the, the global uh, the center for positive change. Yeah. Is positive the words we want to use, or do we need more words around it? to make it more valuable to what we mean mm-hmm. with this conference. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for this insight. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I'm glad to be of service to you. Maybe, maybe you could write your next book, um, Positivity 3.0 or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or you could write it together. I'm a, I'm a co-creator. It's on my business card. So I always do <laughs> things together. <laughs> So, Kes, um, I'd like to, um, by virtue of perhaps coming to a conclusion, wrapping up our lovely conversation, um, I'm going to ask you a question or a, that comes from your own book. <laughs> and um, because I like to invite my guests to offer three tips or strategies or practices or something to bring greater positivity into their life. Okay. And so we've had that conversation around what positivity could mean or it could be more appreciation or any of these positive attributes that we talk about or strength-based approaches. 
So you you have a, one of your chapters, you talk about what practices would you choose to try AI at home? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, ask, I'm inviting you now to offer three practices that you yes. might recommend. I might even have four. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe the first one is not at home. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Spotify. I'm thinking okay. of music. <laughs> and first, I had this whole list of right, the, my ninety pieces of music uh, uh, called my favorites. And then I sort of ordered them into okay. Now I have a category relaxed, a category happy, a category blues when I'm feeling in a, a, a melancholic. And now I can, and I think it's not actually at home. It's actually, I use it in my car and I can really get happy to, to just select the right music according to my anguish, to my, so uh, music, I think it's, it's, it's really uh, supportive of getting, feeling you and not maybe always positive, but feeling congruent when you are melancholic put on a beautiful melancholic song and you feel congruent and that's also a good feeling. So that is, I think, the first. Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> may I add to that? Oh, yes. If you wish to change your energy, change the music. Yes. And maybe it <laughs> also happens the other way around. Maybe if you change the music, then you change your energy. Yes, exactly. So this is, uh, yeah, exciting. I love music. So... The other one is, and it's really a practice that has come into my life. Actually, I lost 25 kilos in the last year. Um, uh, by pur- on purpose, I, I should say. But get out of your bed half an hour earlier than, than, than usual. Do some exercises. Practice stillness. And you... And at some point, this is about this, this Isaac Stern again, at some point you're going to love this and you just are sure that you don't need that extra half hour sleep. You prefer to be on, your, on the ground and do some exercises and you start up the day very uh, constructive and lively. So this is really what, and, and I'm not missing it anymore. Uh, and, and also on days that I have to get up early, it's only half an hour earlier. Mm-hmm. So that's Beautiful. my that's my second. At some, it has to do, of course, this always uh, between people. So at some point in the past few months, somebody and I don't know who it was uh, presented to me uh, the description of the fully functional person, and uh, a, a psychologist called Carl Rogers came with it. He was actually a classmate of um, Abraham Maslow mm-hmm. and Claire Graves, also mm-hmm. now known as Spirodynamics uh, mm-hmm. founder. So Carl Rogers, and I got into that a description of how to become a fully functional person. And it's re- exciting. It's, it also said it's not for the faint-hearted. You will experience high-level emotions, low-level emotions, but... This is really just reading Carl Rogers' fully functional person gives you a sort of an an idea of what you also could be in the future as a person. Mm-hmm. It's really opening up and it's challenging. 
and then you know okay i'm 55 am i am i full grown or something is it is am i there no <laughs> no i'm not read carl rogers is my third <laughs> and <I love> that. <laughs> and maybe the last and not least and i think the most easiest one is just you don't need to call it meditation and it's not taking but sit close your eyes be give it a few seconds and then think with your head with your brains of a big inner smile think of a big inner smile you even can draw this curved line in the air think of a big inner smile and I think most of the times your mouth is also going into that direction <laughs> and your mood is going into that direction. It's very funny, very easy. Think a big smile. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I know that works. Yes. <laughs> I do. Actually, I'm doing this whole, the, this whole interview already, <laughs> but that's because of your beautiful questions. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Yes, well, I've been sitting here with a big smile and I realize um, we have probably gone much longer than than I expected. So I have just so much enjoyed listening to you. And thank you for your wonderful insights and sharing your experiences. And I do have a big smile on my face. <laughs> I can see it even when the camera is not on. <laughs> thank you. I felt honored to be uh, on, on your show. And, uh, oh, that's so nice. All right, Case. Okay, I wish you a very happy evening. Thank you once again for being with me. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. What an inspiring conversation. To find out more about my guest, Case Hochendijk, please visit positivitystrategist.com slash PS46. And there you'll find links to Case's website and you'll be able to connect to him through his social media handles. In addition, you'll find a link there to his most engaging and inspiring book called Appreciative Inquiries of the 3.0 Kind with the subtitle, How Do We Connect, Share and Co-Create for Tomorrow's Human Wholeness? And remember, it's written in English. You'll also find some other links to his works which are written in Dutch. And finally, please remember, you can also download the Positivity Lens Activity Sheet for this episode, which outlines the four practices that Kay so kindly shared with us. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best. <laughs>